Hey, Alice, I don't know if you've seen the uh, the football schedule, but it looks like um, I'm going to be in town playing a game. I really hope we can meet up, hang out. Like, it's been a long time. Um, I'd like to maybe get an eighth while we're there, but, like, I'd really just love to see you. So, like, just call me back, whatever. Like, I just, I'm excited to see you again. It's been a long time. stupid or however that saying goes <laughs> that's exactly how the saying goes and this is the beer and pretzel podcast this is a podcast that is all about introducing <laughs> players to new one-shot rpgs yeah you guys like that segue <laughs> whatever the hell Krauss is talking about to this you weren't supposed to be recording <laughs> yes so in this episode we're gonna be doing a little kind of after party uh, review episode of Alice is Missing the silent roleplay game. What, Brad? <laughs> Sorry. You mean we're doing a review of the game we did almost a year ago and never did a review on? Or exactly. Played yes. almost a year ago? And yep. then again tonight. Oh, we did play it again tonight, but we never recorded it. Until now. Until now. So Alice is Missing is a <laughs> text-based RPG that was developed and made by... Spencer Stark, who actually uh, sold off the rights to Paramount to develop it into a movie, which I just found out recently. Very cool. So this is the second time we've played Alice is Missing. It's a game that actually won the 2021 Any Award for Best Game. So it's, it's very well regarded within the uh, indie RPG community. And it's a game that uh, had a very good uh, Kickstarter and uh, came out and people have been really liking it. It's kind of designed only for one-shot play. Definitely not campaign play at all. And really only something you would play only maybe a couple times in your life at most. So we're going to be talking about our experience playing it these two times. And just things we liked or things that, I don't know, we weren't fans of personally. So how did this session go compared to the first time, guys, that we played over a year ago. I liked this session better. Um, part of that is that I wandered away from the group. Everybody else was sitting around a fire outside. We were texting each other. I started to have phone issues. So I wandered away from the group and I was like sitting on the porch really far away from you guys. My phone wasn't working for half of it. I was missing your texts. I wasn't able to interact the most, but somehow that felt more immersive. More like um, I was really trying to figure out what was going on or like I was really part of things. And I think that's definitely a good word to use for this, which is immersion. That is kind of for me was the highlight of this game. It's just kind of completely in, uh, indulging the audience and the players into this world and kind of keeping people there. And the music and with a combination of the music and uh, the turn base and... Uh, minute-based intervals where you kind of like switch up uh, clue cards to kind of give you new twists and turns to the story. It kind of like towards the end has like pulled you completely into the game, which I personally like. I feel like this time went a lot smoother because we knew what we were doing going in. Whereas like the first time we were all kind of like 
sending each other these like weird text messages, not really knowing if that's what we were supposed to be doing. And then some of us weren't like taking it seriously at all. And we were like sending stupid memes. And like, I just, I feel like this time around felt more like, like it felt more real. Mm. Like everybody was kind of in character and staying in character and taking it more seriously. And I felt like we all kind of knew what to do better with the prompt cards. Hmm. And for those who don't know much about this game, this is a game where players are instructed to kind of stay as silent as possible over a 90 minute play session. And it's about the disappearance of Alice Briarwood, who is a high school senior at the small town of Silent Falls. During the game, players communicate using only their phones and text messages to each other as they unearth clues about what happened to Alice. So, Travis, what does this game kind of remind you of? Either other games, movies, shows, or, I don't know, other things that it might have been inspired by. Do you know? Honestly, I don't. I'm Not that I'm, like, I don't know all of the indie RPGs there are to know, but, like, this doesn't feel like anything that I've played before. We've played horror games. We've played a bunch of, like, different games. And this just feels like its own thing. It feels like it's original. Mm. So, to me, it doesn't feel like a game I've played before. But my first introduction to role-playing was through text role-playing games online with, like, other people. And so you would make a character and you would write journal entries first person but then you would write threads third person so it reminded me more of like that style of like writing a character but the journals so you were like adopting their voice and their texting style which is something that you would do in like a text-based online role-playing game Hmm. yeah no i get that and also with those kind of games it's like fully about not just a gameplay experience, but like fully about the role playing aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Kind of immersing you as much as you can, trying to be like an actor and trying to play this role as much as you can. While other games, definitely role playing is a huge part of it. But other games, you kind of given more freedom to just kind of play yourself and just kind of play the game to play the game. You don't have to be like immersed in this world and character and have to like pretend to be someone completely else. I found it easier to role-play in this game than most other role-playing games we've played, and I think it's in part because, like, the way I was interacting was through text instead of speech. So, like, I didn't have to use a silly voice or uh, pretend to be something I wasn't or try to use an accent. I could just type, and something about that I thought was a lot easier to get into character. What did you think about the role-playing aspect of it, Travis, or using text space instead of a traditional RPG where you get to use your voice. It was, it was a challenge because I'm, I'm very used to like D and D we play it all the time and even deadlands. So like, I'm used to like having the set character in my mind and this one kind of set up a character for you in a way. Like I was supposed to be, uh, Alice's crush. Um, in the game and then like I chose a few things I chose them to be uh, what a lacrosse like the star lacrosse player or whatever in this round of playing it so like I got to choose some things but there was already baseline character set up 
And then texting for me, I don't do a lot of texting. For me, it's like phone calls because I'm, I'm probably an act older than I actually am. So would you say then because of the nature of this game and how it's based completely around texting, that made it a harder game for you to no, play? Actually, it was still fun. Like, I enjoyed every minute of it. Like, I'm not so much, I don't do a lot of texting, but like... In this particular instance, it's probably the most texting I've ever done in my life. <laughs> and I still, it was enjoyable. Like, I, I, there was not a moment of I dis, disliked. What do you guys think that this game kind of... Because because it gives you prompts, and it gives you a character to play. And while there are other games that definitely, like, you kind of choose a pre-generated character and jump into it. This one kind of has character motives, character backgrounds, character secrets, and, like rivalries a character has with other players i'm not sure if you would agree with this or not but i kind of felt like it was more like literally playing a part in a tv show or movie it was kind of like someone gave you a screenplay there's more improv to it but like you're given kind of a lot of guidelines to follow um one game that really reminds me of i don't remember if we've played it on the podcast though i know we've definitely played it is dread um in Dread, you get, like, the questionnaire that's like, why did your character um, run away from home? Or why did your character do this? You don't really... You can't say, oh, I didn't do that. I wouldn't do that. You have to say, oh, I did it because um, XYZ happened. And so that's another game where I feel like you're kind of given a character. And you have some freedom to shape that character, but like ultimately the bones of it are there for you to already use. And I, I think that um, that's another game that I have a really easy time role playing with. So I think something about getting the pre-made characters really um, works for me. But I feel like it's a pre-made character with your own twist. Yeah. Yeah. So you can still personalize it. Because like the first time we played... I played Evan and you played Evan this time, Travis. Yep. And we played Evan totally different ways. So it's def definitely interesting. And I feel like the first time we played, um, Karina played Julia. And this time I played Julia. And we, again, we played completely different characters. Well, part of the way that I played the character was based off the prompt card that we were given shortly afterwards, which kind of contradicted my character not really like it didn't like it wasn't a big hindrance but like i couldn't do all the things that i would normally do as the character or at least in my head that i would normally do so for example i don't know if you remember or not but like what did you get okay so uh i think in the background i was supposed to tell a rumor that i'd heard about julia recently mm. um because i was a crush and i was i was fawning over her but like I was basically supposed to tell like something that other people were saying bad or good about her. And then the, the prompt card I was given was basically saying that I couldn't badmouth Julia in any way. Um, I, I couldn't tell any sort of like anything bad that she might've done. Like if she was on drugs, I couldn't go around telling people she was doing drugs, even if I knew about it. Hmm. Um, so like, so that prompt card, like, it wasn't a complete hindrance. I could work around it, but like that rumor that I was supposed to share at the beginning, I so much didn't want to share a rumor because like I didn't have a good rumor in my head planned out. Sure. No, I get that. 
Was there any kinds of things that you guys think should have been a little bit either more structured or maybe less structured in the game? Uh, more characters for me. Yeah. It w- um, oh, go ahead, Jeff. It was fun playing with the amount of people that we played with, but like if we'd had even like a couple extra, you could have joined Austin as being Charlie or whatever Brad was, which I think is what the DM normally is supposed to be in the game. Yeah, the facilitator is supposed to play Charlie, but I pass it on to Brad. Exactly. So, so we, we all play. Yeah, if we we've even had like two extra characters, Brad could have got his own character, and you would have had one. Yeah, and also we had to have Mason and oh. Karina play as twins. That's true. Which is kind of my own twist on it. Uh, they basically essentially played the same character. That was a good twist, Austin. But they also were allowed to be different characters because they were twins. They were allowed to do different things, but they followed the same guidelines from the prompts and all that. Yep. Um, but one of them fell asleep, so it didn't make that much of a difference to the story. Yeah. I wish that Mael could have joined us. Um, I think that would have been really fun, especially having somebody so far away. I mean, not super far away, but like he wasn't with us tonight. And I think having him play long distance using just texting only to communicate really would have showcased um, the game. That is true. Yeah, you could play it from anywhere physically on the globe as long as you have the ability to text. But one thing, though, is that the game uses cards a lot, and it kind of requires people having the cards. Like, the thing I could have done, I guess, is that I could have texted him, like, a picture of what card he gets. But, like, it's not exactly 100% made to be played with some people in person, some online. There is rules at the back of the book that allows you to play online using Rule 20 or whatever, but it doesn't seem to really have a good method to kind of incorporate other people that might not be in your space, which I think is almost like a downfall for a game that's, you know, completely based on Texan. Yeah. And like, so like characters and like maybe more rules for online or over the phone play even would be something maybe like that we could say they could work on. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I do like the cards and they give a lot of cool wild prompts and a lot of good twists and turns to kind of change the game up every time, but it does have to rely on them. And it does kind of need people to be not necessarily in the same exact space, but relatively close by so they can kind of check in every once in a while. You've got, uh, was it games like one night werewolf? Yeah. Yeah. Where like there's the online version, which they give you whatever cards that you need. I think they could almost set up a small website like that and just be like, I'll just log on to this website if you have internet access and this will be your card and it pops up on the screen. Like automatically at certain times. Yeah, and specifically for Miles' character because he'd log in as himself or whatever. Oh, that's interesting. Um, so a question I have is, um, this is Becky in my second time playing this game. You guys have played this, what, two or three times? Two. Two times, yeah. How replayable is it? Like, I feel like the story went very similarly, but that there were a lot of different twists and turns, and there was obviously a much different outcome this time. Yeah, there was. And they do have, like, three different variants of every single time interval. So it does change, and we did get a different ending, actually a much more positive version than last time we played. But I don't think this game is a game that can be really replayable. Yeah, it sounds like, what, that's only, like, six times to get, like, completely different outcomes, more or less? Sort of. Um, Like, yeah, even playing it probably three or four times, you'll sort of see a lot of similar cards pop up. 
plot. I think this game is kind of, that's why it kind of is an interesting bridge between RPGs and kind of like board games sort of, because I think that it's more kind of like playing at an event rather than an RPG where like Dungeon Dragons, like you play every week, you want to have fun, but like it doesn't need to be like the most grand experience every time because you're playing every week. I feel like when we do this, it has to be kind of set up as like an event, it can be done as a big deal because it's very, very well done. Um, and it kind of like has to like force people to be like in the headspace so much that I don't know. And there's not like enough replay, a bit like replayability to it so like you're sort of forced to go 110 percent in maybe at the end you're exhausted but you had a great time it's something that you will remember a lot more than like your standard like weekly campaign game but unfortunately yeah definitely something that you can't do many times in your lifetime also like so we've done this only a year apart so we vaguely remember at least i vaguely remember the previous game i think had we waited i don't know let's say five years I think we would have completely forgotten and this would almost be like a new completely new game to us I had pretty much completely forgotten the outcome of the first game in the second game I was, I was thinking like well we should check out this place or we should go there or maybe it's this suspect and then as things kind of started to fall into peace into place at the end it was like oh shit they're at the barn oh no like that's where such and such happened last time we need to get there quick and it, it's I thought it was kind of interesting because like in character it was almost like I was like hey wait a second I just remembered I saw this person doing this thing with Alice or maybe this person is suspicious and like personally I wouldn't have thought of that but since I had those kind of like flashbacks as we were playing it almost was like I was able to use my character to kind of um, not really metagame but like remember things in character I feel like the first time we played when we were getting the different bits of evidence and everybody was kind of putting together their own narrative, I felt like it was kind of chaotic and like the story wasn't really making sense. But in the year since we've played, I've actually been listening to a lot of true crime podcasts, <laughs> like a lot. This is very much a true crime and podcast like premise. It totally is. And the way that, like, in, a, in, like, a missing persons case, how there are so many different theories and so many different roads to take, the fact that everybody's getting all these different pieces of information and trying to put together a narrative individually and as a group, it makes sense. Like, if this... I'm really glad we did a second playthrough because now it felt like we were actually trying to find this missing girl and it, like i think it was just it is really well done it definitely has that kind of feel to like shows like uh twin peaks about kind of someone coming to a town that they're new to and it's kind of like a small local town there is some people that are kind of like creepy or like places or people that you don't want to interact with and a girl goes missing kind of combined with the true crime podcast that's kind of interesting that's like it kind of puts you in the heads of a true crime podcast like host sort of yeah because they're all about theories and trying to discover what happened and that's what you can't play as except you're also playing as the friends to alice so you have a personal yeah. connection too 
And like one of my prompts was that I was like super worried and I was into like thinking about like conspiracy theories and stuff like that. So I was like texting Travis. I was like, Travis, this was a hate crime. Hate crime. And you kept (laughs) giving me names of people that didn't know who the, who they were. Oh yeah. I was thrown out. I was name dropping. I was like, it was definitely Ryan. Definitely Ryan and no. then David. Oh man, it was actually David. I didn't know who we were going after. I was just like, let's go. <laughs> I'm, I'm hitting <laughs> this for go. the ride. I'm like, if it saves Alice, I'll I'll go beat up anyone at this point. Never trust somebody named David. It's true. Fair. What do you guys think about the game sort of having to make it work, the game kind of lists that the players can never really show up in the same space together? They're supposed to kind of stay apart for the most part, which is very unlike any other RPG where kind of you're forced always to be in the same room together. Otherwise, it's not fun for like the rest of the group. Never split the party. Never split the party. But we're always split. And yeah. that, So at that point, I think me and Becky teamed up like twice. In this we game. did. <laughs> we went to the nightclub together and we found a gun, which was good that we found it, but it had no, it didn't hurt or help the story at all. And then we raced over to, what was it, the lighthouse together at the very end. Yeah. To try to save Alice and Jack. But the entire time we were still texting. So it's like we weren't really together, but we were. We were like supposedly like driving over there together. Well, I mean, it's Who's like. Who's texting while driving then? That'd be me. Because uh, I have Wow, Travis. <laughs> but I mean, like in real life, me and Karina will be sitting on our couch texting Travis at the same time. Mm, so like true. I think it it works in in game if people do show up at the same place or go to the same place. Yeah, I think it's fine. Like I think it's it doesn't ruin anything and I think it just kind of makes sense cuz like if you're friends with people you kind of hang out with them. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes. But I mean, I think the reason for not having people in the same room or not at the same place doing the same thing is like Becky, if you and I went to go investigate the nightclub together, why would we be texting? Like, we would just be talking in person. So, to keep the game in text, I think it's important that people aren't in the same place. Well, it's not even you have to be in the same place. You're going to a nightclub. It's not like you're going to be right next to each other in a nightclub. You could be searching one corner with all the lockers, and the other person could be searching the bar for some reason. Well, Well, yes. And we would be updating the other party members. Yes, but also, but like... Why would you and I be addressing each other like, hey, let's do X, Y, Z in the nightclub? Like, yes, we would be updating each other. But one thing that I like is you can kind of get around that. Um, Like when I was going to the nightclub, um, I was thinking like a way we could both be investigating at the nightclub is I could be talking about how like the bouncer wasn't letting me in and I was going to start a diversion so that somebody else could sneak in. And so then like we can both be like, pinging ideas off each other at the nightclub and there's a reason for us to not be like oh we're both here at the nightclub together yeah i think that's what the game really wants it wants it like that you could be in the same area but some kind of circumstance kind of forces you to be apart and you have to have some kind of creative reasoning of why exactly but definitely also on the other hand if characters are in high school which they are you expect they don't all have vehicles, so like it would be easier for them to carpool, which it sounds like you guys carpooled a couple of times to go from one area to another. Yeah, because I think in which the game, sense. the only people I remember having a car was Karina's character, 
and I stole my parents' car. So, like, we're the only two that had vehicles that I knew of, unless Brad's character did. Uh, I don't think so. Makes me want to play Kids on Bikes, though. Yes, we need to play it. So how do you get to the nightclub? Um, I probably just, like, so I'm... Called an Uber? uh, He called an Uber. I probably rode a bike, or I probably just, like, walked there, or hitchhiked, I don't know. I mean, to be fair, at that point, we weren't really much of a rush, so that makes sense. What do you guys think of using a time-based system? It kind of runs on like a 90-minute clock with every 10 minutes, and once in a while, every five minutes, someone having to flip up a card and introduce a new clue into it. And it's all based around this thing happens at this time, flip over this card at this time, and perhaps read this prompt in a couple minutes at this time. It works. Um, It's a bit of a challenge because it's like then you're constantly thinking about your time constraints. So, you know, in the back of your mind, you know, something's coming up and you know, whatever you're talking about right now. So at one point we were talking about Alice's car and somebody finding it in the barn that got completely erased within, I don't know, the 10 minute span or whatever it was by, I think one of my cards was like, it literally gave me Alice's location and then told me to make up a reason why it would be not be a good she should not be there for this reason. Like, it's a sketchy place or whatever. So, like, that got completely erased, but, like, for, like, four or five minutes straight, we were talking solely about Alice's car and where it was and who was going to check it out and what clues we found when we were there. Sure. I liked the time because I feel like it set it set a good pace for us and we didn't spend too long kind of farting around (laughs) like when I got my my time prompt I was like okay here it is I gotta come up with something I gotta start texting people these ideas so that we get them out there and then you know then you get your next prompt and then you can start like really working on your narrative so I think the time constraint really worked and I think the pacing is really good I think a lot of role-playing games outstay their welcome. I agree, yeah. I think a lot just kind of drag on and don't really have a natural way of conclusion. Um, I think a really good example of that is um, when not as part of the podcast, I tried running that Western role-playing game. Like, you guys kind of get through my story, and I'm a very novice uh, game master, so I think I didn't really know how to end it. But you guys kind of got to the end, and it just kind of kept going on and on and on and on because there was never anything that really seemed like a conclusion. This game I feel like is unique in that it like has a very forced conclusion. So like you know it's coming up, you know it's looming ahead, you have to get there. Like it's going to happen one way or the other. I think that's a very good point. And like what Becky said, it sets a pace. While there's points where sometimes there'll be more messages going back and forth than other times, there usually is a new clue that's being introduced every so often that kind of keeps things going and kind of adds like a new twist and turn to the story so that everything is moving forward, even if sometimes the players are kind of like holding them back a little bit, maybe. Because yeah, you don't 100% trust all of your teammates, well, not teammates, but your, your students, whatever they are, friends. Like you don't trust them, so you don't want to reveal all your information, but you have to reveal something. What do you think, though, Brad, that because 
unlike other RPGs, there is a time limit. It's not just like, yeah, usually you can play a session between 1.5 to 2.5 hours because there is like such a defined time limit. Does that not make it closer to like a, than a board game then? Um, okay, so I don't think so because like a lot of board games will be like, this game takes half an hour per player and really it takes like six hours to play. <laughs> That's true. Or like, this game is 90 minutes to 120 minutes and really it's like three to four hours. Yep. Um, or it always like underestimates so much. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times that can be based on the experience of the players. Like maybe somebody who plays that game every weekend can fit it into the 90 to 120 minutes. Um, but I'd say it makes it more like watching a movie or something like that, where it's like you're sitting down, you're interacting with the media, you're interacting with the story, whether it's just watching it and consuming it or playing an active role in it. Um, like what aren't there some new newer like Netflix shows where you can like choose options or yeah, kind of like a choose your own adventure, but movies. It, yeah, it makes me think more of something like that than a board game. No, that's fair. And once again, kind of circling back around to like playing a part in a movie, a TV show, kind of controlled pace, even movies kind of want like a twist or so to happen every like 10 pages or so. So kind of fits all within that. Um, also, to add kind of to the immersion of the players, what did you guys think about recording a last voicemail to Alice before she went missing, which was done before the game? It kind of like a way to kind of pull yourself into your character a little bit more, I think. Alice, baby, I'm really worried. You didn't call when you got home last night, and, you know, we always call and check in, and you haven't called back, and I'm just really, really worried. Can you please... Can you please call me back? Or just text me, even if, like, you know, your siblings are awake or whatever and you don't want to call. Um, I love you. Good night. Well, what do you think the goal of it was? Because it's not, like, super used. You're supposed to play at the end of the session. We kind of forgot to, but there's not really, like, a heavy, like, reason for it. I do feel like it helps you set the tone of your character and kind of find their voice. Like, what would you say to this person you know, just off the cuff. And it, it, I think it did help me like figure out, okay, this is what Julia's like. And this is how she is with Alice. I think it's uh, even more nuanced than that. I think the voicemail does several different things. Some more obvious than others. One, it tells you about your character Two, it tells you about Alice. And I think three, it also tells you how you want the story to go or how you want the story to end. Would you guys play another like RPG like this that you kind of limited somehow in your way you communicate with players or perhaps gives new ways to play? Like, for example, I thought I might be interested to have RPGs like played over Zoom. There probably is. I think there's one called Virtual Scream, but... What do you guys think about playing more games like this that are not using traditional tabletop um, rules? Oh, we've done this a couple of times, and so far it's been fun. Yeah. This is probably one of the better experience of it, so if it's like a similar pace to this, I'd enjoy it. I want to play a version of this game that's set 100 years earlier, and you can only communicate with the other players by sending registered telegraphs. <laughs> 
That sounds great. You all have to buy telegraph machines. Yeah. Just, yeah, use Morse code. <laughs> we have to, like, take, like, a notepad out and start, like, recording everything to translate it. You have that to... It takes so long. Every time the telegraph man comes to redo your telegraph, you have to tip him a dime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I love player restrictions. I think they make you a better, like, character. Like, I think they make you a better oh, for sure. art role player. I I talk a lot. So anytime someone's like, you can't talk, I'm like, oh, <laughs> interesting. Yeah. <laughs> How am I going to convey things now? <laughs> so I really like that kind of restriction. Like, um, you know, the, the Grizzled, that, like, little card game we have? Yep. I kind of love it when I get the card that's like, you have PTSD and you can't talk. Because, hmm. like, it's nice to just, like... Challenge yourself. Challenge yourself, yeah. And try to find different ways to, to convey what you need to convey. And obviously we have the texting, which is easier, but um, it takes time to text. Like, I'm kind of a slow texter, even though I was like... <laughs> so I liked that. And I feel like it just makes you more creative. So I, any t- anytime you want to throw a weird RPG at us. You're down. I'm down. I think that's an interesting kind of idea. Because I think, like, if you are given too many choices, it's hard to kind of, like, narrow your viewpoint on something. Like, for example, for, like, coming up with, like, a story, if someone's like, hey, come up with a story, I might be like, ah. Uh. But if someone, like, gave me more, like, kind of, like, a narrower, like, field of view of what you could do like okay tell me a story it has to be a western and the main character is a a cow rustler okay now i can come up with something because my uh choices have been kind of narrowed down now i can use my creativity to kind of take those prompts and kind of make a story around it i think this game does a good job with that in that it gives you options and things to kind of twist into your own version but also kind of giving you a nice little path to kind of just do your own thing but like to focus purely on the story and the characters and not put it 100% on the players. Um, yeah, and also, okay, so also in regards to your question about like playing other games with alternative modes of communication and what Becky was just saying about like finding different ways to, to, to speak, um, there's another game we played recently that had um, like... Uh, uh, somewhat religious themes because it was uh, about uh, Judaism, and I think, um, like think just thinking back about this that, and also thinking about requiring players to speak in different ways, I think a really cool idea for a game would be like, um, I don't know how knowledgeable all of you guys are about like different Bible stories or whatnot, but like Tower of Babel when like everybody suddenly spoke different languages, like if you could get five players that all spoke a different language to sit down and play a game where they had to get something done where they weren't allowed to speak any common languages. Like one person had to use like American sign language. Hmm. Another person could only speak Spanish. Another person only English or something like that. And you, you had to accomplish something. I think that could be a really interesting. But yeah. I just think games in general where like you have to communicate in different ways. I think that's a really good and underutilized idea. 
yeah, I guess uh, let's go into our last thoughts before we wrap up this episode. And all in all, I think it's great. And that's just because I really like movies. And I feel like this is kind of like the creator of this game is being like the director behind the scenes, kind of like laying the perfect movie script out that also gives plenty of improv room for his actors to kind of uh, play in and create kind of an awesome story that kind of pulls in our heartstrings and the music is really good and by the end I think it really has such a somber tone that really just kind of does fervor more to just kind of like pull the characters and actors into this world and just by the end at the beginning of the session we were all kind of like having a good time goofing around and at the end it was super silent and like super serious and everyone was just focused on the text messages and kind of seeing what was going to happen next and then we got a nice little ending so i think all in all a very good story that we told and as a facilitator or like a gm i didn't really have to do anything it just kind of the game did a good job of just kind of laying it out and also we as a group were able to tell a good story too as a team there was something about this game that both times i feel like we played more seriously than we normally do because like we're a bunch of goofies like (laughs) like we're always like snorting our way through (laughs) it's more you it's more me i'm snorting my way through all of the rpgs we play but like we're always just laughing and like goofing and being silly and this game i really feel like there was something about the immersion and the story that didn't allow for that. Like it really did set the tone of like, this is, this is somber and this is something that's very serious. And so I do think that like the creator made like create, like he made such a, an atmosphere that like we, even us goofs couldn't escape it. I think that, um, in part, it is the pacing of the clues, but I also think it is the music, like Austin was talking about, like, I think the music was very understated. The music was really good, and I wish more games had, like, dedicated soundtracks like that. Music was exceptional, but I never really focused on it or even thought of it while we were playing it, but now that I'm thinking back, it's like, holy crap, the music, like, perfectly set the tone for every step of the game. Like, we were playing to the music and I don't know about you guys, but I wasn't even realizing it. I yeah. agree completely. Yeah. I definitely didn't realize it. What did you think all in all, Travis, oh. about the experience playing it and just the game and everything? I mean, it's a hell of a game. I, I've got no doubt. Like, it's, it's solid for what it is. My only, like I said, my only complaints from earlier, I wish there's a couple more characters or just more. I wish more people could play in general because sure. our group was relatively big. And I wish there's a slightly bit more like replayability, like maybe a couple of scenario, different scenarios, maybe different people that we're looking for. Maybe we're looking for the gardener. Who knows? <laughs> but just like just different scenarios to like find and more mysteries to solve, I guess, because that was that was the biggest part. We were trying to solve a mystery, which was enjoyable, but like we've already done it once and we've done it again. No, I get that. And this Alice's Missing Game comes in such a nice little box. And I don't think it's like super expensive or anything. I don't remember exactly how much it was. But it's kind of packed in nicely. It's just a small little rule book. And 
um, uh, some like I think it's like 70 cards and that's it so I think definitely it should be a game that should be able to be like you can kind of market it like here's like a new box new characters new story new cards and that's it it's not like you need like a giant rule book or anything so I think that could be interesting if like yeah. doing the Alice is missing gameplay using text messages in the same like idea of like time intervals to inter object uh, clues but just a new story new characters um now that you mentioned that um it actually does make me think of certain board games a yeah little bit. um makes me think of especially like exit room games like the exit series or unlock series of board games for sure where they're designed to be played once um and then like they're super immersive and then once you solve them you can't really go back and do them and i feel like those games like alice is missing kind of have like um, much more concise or accurate time estimates um, because it's like designed to be a specific experience like this. Um, the other games that I kind of think of like that are like the Sherlock games where you're reading through and doing a mystery. Yep. Once you play that, yeah, it's got like 15 cases in the box. Once you finish them, you can't really play them again. But I think you could probably give it away to friends and it would be a really great gift because it is a really good package, really good gameplay for Alice is missing or those games hundred percent. But yeah, thank you guys for this talk. It was fun playing it. I had a really good experience too, not just cause it's a great game, but we also got to sit around a fire at night on a little bit of a chilly day. This game takes place on a chilly day in California, I think. So I think atmosphere wise, it was also great. It was just like pure immer like immersion from start to finish and a great bunch of people to role play with too. Hey Alice, it's Evan. I just wanted to know if you want to go to the movies this weekend. I don't know, I didn't have anything better to do, and I heard there was a really good uh, action film coming out, so if you want to, just hit me up. And yeah, with that, that's the end of this episode. Thanks everyone for listening to this episode of Alice is Missing. Our review? Yeah, Alice <laughs> is Missing, the review. Yeah, thanks everyone for listening to this episode of Alice is Missing, our review of our gameplay experience with this game. My name's Austin, and this is the rest of my Beer and Pretzel podcast crew. We'll be back with another actual play or review very soon. Thanks for listening.